Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. All right, welcome to part two of our uh, 2023 season preview not a season preview podcast. It's our 2023 over under podcast for win totals uh, as win totals for this upcoming season. As you guys know, in our previous episode, which I went one of our record long ones, uh, we did our AFC over unders. A lot of good selections there. I thought I was pretty happy with that. And I know John, you mentioned that there's like some the NFC was a lot more of a mosh pit, and I agree with you in terms of like what our over of like picking hard uh, picking ones being harder or like there's a lot of hardware choices in this one, but I, 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 there's a few that I'm, I'm particularly high on. So I'm curious to dive in and see to get your thoughts as well. Yeah. I think it's definitely, you have your top two teams. It's very it's, top heavy. And then it's a lot of, well, they could be good or they could be terrible. So it, it's, I think it's really, really tough. And like the AFC, the NFC South, and the AFC South are both just abysmal. The South and the, I don't say the North is a kind of a mess more than the, the North, West. but at least the, the North is competitive. If you took the NFC South and you put any one of those teams in another division, they're the worst team in the division. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, without, without taking us, I mean, without sweating, without missing a, a beat. I mean, I know Arizona's still out there, but you kind of get the gist. Like, they would definitely be bottom feeders, yet some team is going to win that division, and it's going to be interesting. Like I said before we started recording, I might owe Arizona mea culpa for as much as I shit on them in the AFC podcast. And I was like, oh, they're going to be the worst team in the league, and they're the worst team in the league. Then I started thinking more, and I was like, are we sure? But we'll we'll, we'll circle back to that one. So very similar to how we did in the AFC version, we're going to go east, north, south, west, in terms of the divisions, we'll do this for the NFC. And given that we are both Washington fans and uh, local guys, we're going to start with the Washington. Yes, I will refer to them as the Commanders because the devil is gone, and now it's okay to reuse that name even if it's his lasting uh, legacy. So we'll start off right up bat for our local Washington Commanders. Um, the over-under is six and a half on them. Uh, again, I mentioned to John that I'm not going to dive too deep. I will provide some thoughts, but I'm hoping to get a full-blown season preview for the Commanders on the books for the podcast. So I'm not, like I said, going to dive fully, fully into this. But I will say, and John, you alluded to this a little bit, that six and a half feels right around where it should be. And I know I said previously, I'm like, I don't see them the worst team in the league, and they were eight and eight and one last year. But that just feels like six and a half is it's just too dangerous to bet in either direction, really. Right. I, there's a there's a ton of question marks on the ton. team. So um, I think first off, you've got lame duck management and coach. So unless they make the playoffs, I think everybody is gone. Um, I would, I would be surprised if that's not the case. On Eric Bieniemy to show that he's more than what he proved in Kansas city. And would it somewhat be like a tryout for him to possibly be the next head coach? I'm not saying I want that, but I'm saying for him, that's what he's got everything on the line. So he really needs to prove himself. The problem is, is I, they have weapons on offense, you know, the receiving core uh, I'm very pleased with. I like the running backs. So do I, the offensive line is just garbage tire fire. Um, you saw in the first preseason game, Sam Howell looked comfortable, but was under duress the entire time. Like he looked like a he could be a professional quarterback. Like you're like this guy sh- could be a starter in the NFL or 
a quality backup, but you also, I also am just fearful for him surviving the season. It speaks volumes to the quality of your offensive line or lack thereof when you give up a safety in the first preseason game, right? That says a lot to me. Um, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my thoughts. I could rant and I could scream very loudly about this. I'm just gonna say that I echo all of your sentiments. I think the defense is going to be not quite as high as some people like the Athletic Football Podcast was talking about in terms of like being a top five unit. I know that was right. just entice, but like you know, and uh, you know, shout out to him for being that bullish because as a DC as DC guys, I don't think I'm even that bullish about it. Um, our linebackers are still completely non-existent. Uh, and Jamin Davis, I'm I'm officially ready to sail that train. You're off the island. The, the fuck out of here. Like after he, you know, like has two reckless driving, like going 80 miles an hour over the speed limit type of instances. Like you have two and you're about to go to jail for your second one. Like, Jesus okay, Christ. enough is enough, right? Like, yeah, I think it's in, in there. Like he's running with the second and third team in the in the in training camp because, like, you know, he's just not as good as everybody else. I'm like, I've seen enough. Just yeah, that's that's just, a sad state of it, affairs. It's done. It's done. Please stop. Anyway, so I'm I'll leave I, that there. I do think the defense has talent. You know, the as as everybody knows, their defensive line is just fantastic. Um, I'm expecting Chase Young to bounce back. Me their too. secondary is good. Um, I was not happy they drafted Emmanuel Forbes. I preferred um, uh, Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez, who went the very next pick to New England, and I think he's going to be good. But Forbes, Forbes is exactly what they thought he was going to be when they took him. The guy can play. The frame is just too slight. Can he? Can he hold up? Yeah. And, and that's scary. Like he literally weighs less than I do. So, and Jack Del Rio is still the defensive coordinator, and. He does have like a, they have a propensity of, we kind of have like a little bit of a trend. We have a good defense, then a bad defense. Then last year was a good defense. Are we going to regress to a bad defense because That's the team's figure him out? Not that the talent's not there. I think that the scheme is going to let him down because we, we know that Jack Del Rio is not creative and teams know that they have a good defense and the way the game plan is going to be different this year. And can they adjust? I don't think they can. And year-over-year year variance is a definitely a thing in the NFL. Even if you take the same unit and run it back a second year, that doesn't – in let's put injuries – let's say injuries are relatively equal year-over-year. Year. The performance variance is very much a thing. Unless you're like an elite unit – and again, we don't consider Washington to be an elite unit. A very good to very good one, sure, but not an elite unit. Unless you're like – I mean, we'll get to San Francisco, but I mean, you could even see variance a little bit on in, in terms of that – caliber of a defense right it's a very you know year over year tr uh, trending in the opposite not opposite direction but just in a different direction type of stat so yes i agree there's a there's a very much a chance that this could go back to like the 15th 16th maybe lower right. you know if right. things were to break wrong remember i think allen and Payne were healthy for all 16 games last year god forbid one of them goes down right so all of those things and i think just circling back to the top it's two points circling back to the top it's number one i am I don't think anybody in Washington disagrees with this, but I think it still needs to be said very overtly. We are not going to see what the caliber of this offense could be. And I'm, you know, I'm not super duper excited about it, but I don't think we're going to see that until mid season. And I mean, game eight, week eight, nine, 10 at the earliest, at the earliest. And then as a segue from there, the schedule is ball sack terrible in the second half of the year. It so is what, scary. It is awful. It is a awful 
gauntlet of a schedule for the second half of the year. Yeah, so it's yeah. not so much bearishness on what Washington could or should be this year. I mean, there is particularly because of the deficiencies on the team, but the schedule is horrible. It's and brutal. That's, that's one of the real reasons why the six and a half is just like, you know, if you told me they lost 11 games this year and went six and 11, it's not because they suck. I mean, it, that's what the, the record would say you do, but it's because the schedule is so bad. Forget the fact that you're playing in the NFC East, but. Right. So they have the 23rd ranked schedule. So they have one of the 11th, 10th hardest schedule, ninth hardest, ninth hardest schedule in the NFL. Um, as you alluded to, they, they play three legit, Super Bowl contenders after their bye week in week 10, back to back to back. Yeah. So they've got Casey, Buffalo, and San Francisco. Casey's away. That's a loss. Yeah. Just I mean, call just it now. Sharpie that shit in. Buffalo and San Francisco are both home games, which I, I know that, you know, everybody's happy with the new ownership. You've seen more fan turnout at training camp. I think there'll be more support, but it's still going to be an away game. Uh huh. It, the, the things haven't changed. If going to FedEx is still awful. I, I still like maybe if you gave me free tickets, I would go. My previous stance was I need free tickets. I need a parking pass and you need to pay me to go to the game because that's how much of a pain in the ass it is to get in and out of FedEx. And nothing has changed in that regard. You right. alluded to. So you alluded to uh, that that trio. It's um, where is it? Yeah, so you mentioned, and that's not even talking about the fact that you've got Dallas to end the season. Fine. That's going to be basically an away game as well, the way Dallas fans infest FedEx. Uh, at the Jets, I've mentioned that I don't think the Rams, or I alluded to this and we'll talk more about it, I don't think the Rams are going to be particularly terrible. And there's still a game against the against the, the Dolphins. There's an away game against the Seahawks. There's an away game against the Patriots. I mean, this schedule sucks. It's got, it sucks. Um, I, I, I think – what I had was um, I wouldn't touch this one. Yep. But looking at it, I I, I would lean more towards the under. Yeah. Same. I, 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 same. I, I'm debating honestly whether it's six or seven wins for them. Just being completely candid. But um, we'll put a button on that. Just saying that look, they're just stay away. Six and a half is right about where it is. Um, and we'll move on to the rest of the NFC East. So we'll go back in. I think it was the order of finish. I can't remember. Particularly don't care because I hate all three teams. Um, but let's start with Philadelphia. So the the Eagles are, I don't remember the Eagles, how many they won last year. Was it four? Did they go 14 and three or 13 and four? Again, I don't really I care. I want to say it was 14 and three. The yeah. over under is 11 and a half. And Interestingly enough, the, the the bad odds or the high vig is on the under, which you would think for a team that everyone is kind of almost, you know, consensus saying is one of the three best teams in the NFC. That raised my eyebrows a little bit in terms of the money moving in that direction, not so much about the fact that about the fact that people are betting the under. Right. Um I also find it interesting, like they're minus one fifteen to win the division. Is what that's kind of hinting at uh, 10 or 11 wins is going to win the division. Uh, Dallas is at plus um, 175 giants are 700. Washington is plus plus 1300. So save your money. Plus, don't, don't even bet Washington. 1300 plus 1300. Yeah. The, the thing, so the thing that the, the Eagles had last year was they definitely benefited from an easy schedule. They, I think they had the second easiest schedule, so that's why it was easy to project them to have the best record in the NFC. 
um, last season. And this year they definitely have a uh, tougher road at um, in front of them. Um, not the hardest schedule. They, they have the 12th easiest schedule in fact, um, but they do as, as uh, they do have some, some tough matchups. You know, they've got to place the Cowboys. They've got the chiefs. They've got the bills. They've got the 49ers. They've got the Seahawks. They got Minnesota in, in uh, week two. So, I mean, in uh, Minnesota, I, I got plenty I, of thoughts on them, but so here's, here's the other part about Philadelphia in terms of that win total. Right. And again, you know, on first glance, you're like, I don't know, 11 and a half. That seems kind of low, particularly because everyone agrees that, you know, they still have one of the best rosters top to bottom, they do. a couple, a couple of things. The advanced analytics on the Eagles last year basically said that like they were a 11, maybe 12 win team masquerading as whatever they actually ended up with 14 and three, 14 and three, right? They were, that's really what the numbers say. I will spare my usual ranting about Jalen Hurts that our group of friends are is very familiar with. I will put a, a silencer on it just for the time being. I will say one thing. He had an out-of-his-mind season last year. For him to replicate that level of success, in my opinion, I know other people will say otherwise, I think to replicate that, just that pure streak of that would be unrealistic you know, if just putting it, keeping it as unrealistic. And I will, I'll just stop here. Lest well, I've, I go got a, I've got something for you then. So last year he, he put up, what is it? Uh, 3,700 yards and his player prop for yardage this year is 30, 37.5. So unless you think he's going to exceed last year where he literally, unless you think he's going to be an MVP candidate, you're taking the under. If you like the over, I would consider more towards taking him for MVP because if he somehow has a better season than last year and they have another high high win total, you know, they're one of the top teams in the NFC, there will be chatter. Again, I, I will hit on it at another point, but, you know, voting fatigue for Patrick Mahomes, I think, is going to sink in and they'll be looking for somebody else and Jalen Hurts is somebody that could fill that void. I don't think he will. I personally like the under 3,700 yards because you're also counting on uh, injury luck. I, I yes, think that's another big piece of the puzzle. I who And if he gets hurt, they're in trouble because Marcus Mariota is just not the right guy to be your backup. I'm sorry. Jeez. That guy has not shown that he wants to be in the NFL anymore. He is so checked out. Hertz is built like a brick shit house. I, I will fully admit that. Like that dude is he's he is a fire hydrant of a quarterback. He goes, no, he works out with Lane Johnson and the offensive lineman, and he squats the same amount. He, he looks pound for pound with the lineman. That's yeah, insane. I, I, as much as I will detract from him, I will never I was gonna say of the injury concerns, he's actually one of my least concerned, uh, one of the players I'm least concerned about him getting about getting injured. I was actually more referring to some of his supporting cast, i.e., and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, any of the True. other guys, like the the guys around him. And you know, again, I'll say it like there were so many plays last year. Go back and really watch the Eagles. And I mean, I'm watching it through jaded glasses, I get it. But he just hucked the ball up at AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, and they made these ridiculous catches. There were either there was two, it was it was it, 70% of his plays were just of two flavors. One is the receiver was 10 yards down the field by himself. Like nobody right. within 10 yards of him, and he, you know, threw the ball where I needed to throw the ball, or 
he just th- he saw single coverage on AJ Brown and Devontae Smith in the safety role in the opposite direction, and he put up a 50-50 ball, and those guys got it. And they but got isn't it. That what you do when you have wide receivers that are that talented. Yes. You see them in single coverage, you throw it up and you give them a chance. So you give the credit there for the fact that he made the correct read, but in the fact like, oh my God, he's like balling out and doing all these crazy things. I'm like, he benefited from a very talented supporting cast. And that's, that's, I'll, I'll leave it there because I, I, I wouldn't, say, wouldn't you say they have this, it, I, I, would, do they have a more talented roster than the 49ers? Offense or roster? Roster. No, I, Yes. Yeah, I think they they're really good. Like yes. their weakest Roster, position yes. would be running back, and I, I don't say, think running backs that weak for them. I was going to say that I think uh, the the offense of the 49ers just because they might be a little more top heavy, but the roster of the Eagles is better. Yes. The problem with the 49ers, and we'll hit on it, is their quarterback play is contingent on a seventh round pick recovering from major elbow surgery and him continuing to be the guy that uh, Kyle Shanahan can joystick into the right position and, and puppet master. Teams not spending some time trying to get film on him and figuring out how to shut things down. But yes. Right. Another wrinkle about all of this is like, I know the, the narrative from the national media is that like, oh, Brian Johnson's the next up and coming, the former offense, a former quarterbacks coach for Hertz, who's now elevated to offensive coordinator with the departure of Shane Steichen to Indianapolis. Right. You know, it's, I get it. I've always been a believer of like, you don't, the next guy up, there's a reason, unless you're going from like Matt LaFleur to um, Matt LaFleur to like Arthur Smith, where you kind of get better. It's it's rare is the instance where the, the next guy in waiting was actually better than the guy in front of him. You know, it happens, It but I'm, I, I'll wait until I see it in terms of like Brian Johnson ascending for Shane Steichen. I feel the less opposite way. I know Eagles fans were not exactly, they were not broken up to see Jonathan Gannon leave. I'm biased because Sean this I shout out to my Gujarati guy being who's never played professional football in his life and being moving all the way to an NFL defensive coordinator. That just warms my heart. Um, so I'm gives excited for him. Huh? Gives you hope. Gives me hope, man. Gives me hope. Uh, even though I'll never get there. It'll be take a long ass time for that to happen, but um, we'll see. Right. Again, Gannon was kind of up and down, but no, nobody in Philly misses Gannon. I think that uh, Sirianni is going to be the one that's really guiding the defense. So when you, ha- so that's the advantage of having a head coach with the offensive background. When you lose your coordinators, you can make up that gap because the guy that's really driving the system is still there. You know how many how many coordinators has Sean McVay left, and their offense is still just True. fine. So I I think that uh, Sirianni even though I still think he's kind of a dumbass. I mean, I think it's just his face. Maybe it's just his face. But. No, I think you're right. I think he's kind of a dumbass. I think he's a little, he's, he's a little more frat boy than we give him credit for. And like, I, it's not one of those guys where like, if he suddenly downgraded to offensive coordinator, he'd be really, really good at his job. I think he's just kind of lightning in a bottle and like, he's a big douche and the rest of his team loves the fact that he's a big douche. And he has a freaking fantastic roster. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Carter, uh, I, kind of like as a defensive rookie of the year the only reason why is because it's such a stat oriented although i should take that back because sauce gardner uh won the won the uh the rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year last year but otherwise it's usually a stat driven uh award and like as a d tackle they get no stats but i could see him getting the height because he's an absolute monster and then of course it's you know kind of like he had the fall from grace and now he's yes. The narrative is there. The storyline plays. So, um, but yeah, for them, (laughs) 
their Georgia defense is just going to be difficult for opposing offenses. Yeah, that's the, the that's the very polite way of putting it. That you can't blame Harry or Howie Roseman for going. What's the best defense in college by far? Let's get those guys. I mean, that's the Alabama theory for God knows how long, right? Yes. So I I do appreciate that. Again, I'm not touching this over under. This is not one that I'm willing to wager. It's it's just too tight. How do you feel? I know you touched on it a little bit. Okay, so Dallas is nine and a half slash ten and a half, depending on where you bet. I'm looking at my win bracket for them. Yeah, and I think it falls right in there. So most people, particularly if you're shopping, I believe it's at FanDuel, most people are like, even though the VIG sucks, it's like ten and a, nine and a half seems like easy money, like over nine to, and a half. To go the over, yeah. Yeah. You know, that might be one if you're trying to shop. Maybe you buy it up a little bit if you're really bullish on the Cowboys, which dare I say neither of us are, just in general, in life. But I like I kind of like the extra money you get on the under nine and a half because Mike McCarthy's the head coach and now he's the play caller and Brian Schottenheimer is your offensive coordinator. You Great could point. not have downgraded any greater from and I'm not telling Kellen Moore is the greatest OC ever, but he he was good. He was creative. I expect him to do good things in LA with the Chargers. But to then go from a creative, dynamic offensive coordinator to just a little Neanderthal that just has shown us nothing that he can run a modern offense is just staggering. And then you want to give the play calling duties to Mike McCarthy, who can, I don't even know how he gets out of bed and gets to work on time. I can't think of anyone who has who has been who has traded on his name and done absolutely nothing with his name, but traded on it since like Eric Trump. (laughs) Like, like that's literally who Brian Brian Schottenheimer is. The Eric Trump, not even Don Jr. He's the Eric Trump of offensive coordinators. That's Brian Schottenheimer, and I love Marty, but like I'm sorry that apple fell way far from the tree because like Brian is not good at his job, and the only reason he has job is because his name is Brian Schottenheimer, not Brian Smith. The thing that does scare me, though, is their defense. Yep. It's so talented. It's sick. And that's why it's hard to really shit on them in general. But, like, you know, I'm in a complete agreement with you. Dan Quinn. It's it's, – right. Dan Quinn might as well be – as I've said, we were joking with our buddy Amit. I was like, every offseason I'm just like, please leave, Dan Quinn. Please leave. Mm -hmm. Please get a head coaching job somewhere. Please go somewhere. Right. The Broncos were this close to hiring Dan Quinn. I think it was the last offseason cycle before they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Great move. They were so close. I, my only consolation, as I wrote down in our notes, my only consolation is that I know they're they're giving more responsibility to a guy who openly lied about the fact that he lied in his or who openly stated that he lied in his job interview with Jerry Jones saying like, oh, I did all this research and like I went back and I looked at all this film and I did my off season like journaling and and, off, and study and stuff like that. And he had when he got up, like got the job, he admitted he's like, I never did any of that. I didn't do any of it. And he like openly admitted it. And he's like, yeah, I didn't do it. Because that was a huge hype story before he got drafted. Everybody's like, man, he took the year off and he was really studying. He was studying college offenses. He's he did in like, high school games and he's like studying. He was studying cafeteria menus. 
No, he's just doing the same garbage. Uh, same garbage, and that's why. And now he has a tag team partner to do garbage things with, right? And then there's the other, like, there people are already joking about the fact that, like, Dak Prescott's throwing interceptions in the preseason, like, picking up right where he left off last season. So, I mean, I know it's just the preseason. Take it for what you will. But, like, you know, he doubled his interception rate last year from a career average of 1.7% to 3.8%. And now you're pairing him with a – monstrous downgraded offensive coordinator like i'm sure everything's going to be just fine i'm sure it's going to be just great it's going to be totally great but but as i as we said you know the the defense can carry them yeah and that's fine i mean particularly in a conference where like the rest of the teams are not that great outside of the top heavy you know the best of the best that we've a couple you know who've alluded to um yeah i think it's good enough particularly when you have garbage teams like the giants in the in the division you're you're going with garbage are you now i because you know me i as i've said many times that like i actually now live in a world where i think i hate the giants more than i hate the cowboys even as a washington fan for a, a, a multitude of reasons so like i just i can't say anything i cannot say anything nice i can acknowledge the fact that the cowboys have a really really good defense i'll never say anything nice about the giants i really hate them i just so, truly hate them. so the giants are in their second year with brian dayball and they're still cleaning up the cap hell that Gettleman put them in. I miss him. And, but they've started to spend a little money. But they're, they're So their roster was actually kind of garbage last year. They've made some minor improvements to it. But I definitely would see regression from them. Like them making the playoffs, I think, would be shocking to me. So touched on this. Again, you, 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 your point is valid that they did make some upgrades across their roster. But again, the advanced analytics said this team was about seven and a half to eight wins. That's how much we should have. And I know I hate the fact that Mike Kafka was another guy I was really hoping would get a job somewhere so that it would screw up Daniel Jones' development or lack thereof. But a couple of stats that I wanted to throw out there, right? Like he was di- like, I know everybody wants to make him out to be Mike, to be White Vic and all of that shit, but like he's still not good. He was a function of this fact that this team was lightning in a bottle. He was dead last in the NFL among qualifying quarterbacks in terms of yards per attempt. Like he's just not good at his job. And if you're like, Oh, okay, fine. Darren Waller's there. Darren Waller's a little long in the tooth. He had some issues staying healthy in, in over his last couple of years with, with the, with the Raiders. And let's put Waller aside. Fine. Waller's there. He'll get 120 targets. Fine. The rest of the receiving core, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson coming off an ACL, Isaiah Hodgins, a, you know, a reserve receiver at best, Paris Campbell, love that guy coming out of college, but how many injuries? And Jalen Hyatt, who should be a track runner instead of a wide receiver. Like, what are we supposed to really, like, where are we supposed to see this? And I have a whole rant plan for Saquon Barkley in just a moment. But, like, what? Well, so again, so they've got an offensive line that's ranked 27th. Their receiving core is ranked 29th. That is not a good success. That, that That's not surrounding your $160 million quarterback and, and giving him a situation like Jalen Hurts has where you, you almost have to try to not succeed. Um, he definitely has an uphill battle. I think Brian Dayball is just did an incredible job being competent as opposed to the uh, previous regime, which was just a bunch of idiots, which yep. I would love to get them back. Really miss him. Really, really miss them. But it, Daniel Jones. So what doesn't show up in, in the stats is is he he does have a pr- propensity of making plays at the right time, and he does bail himself out with the legs. So I mean, I, I 
I don't know. I just I don't know what to think of this team. They they still have a lot of holes. Um, their secondary is garbage. Um, so their defense is still going to struggle. Um, can you think that they're, they're just going to have to outscore every team? And I don't think they've got the weapons to do that. Daniel Jones is 18th among all quarterbacks in DVOA last year. So by definition, a below average quarterback, $160 million, right? And I get the option was no. what else are we supposed to do? But like, I don't know. Sometimes you have to rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, I'm going to take a quick left turn because I hate Saquon Barkley. And just I want to throw out a rattle among a bunch of stats. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Everyone lost their shit because they didn't pay Saquon Barkley. It's like, oh, my God. How do you not pay Saquon Barkley? He's so good at fantasy football. Why can't we do that? Just a couple of facts. Again, facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, Saquon Barkley was 13th. 13th in DVOA among running backs all last year. Not five. Not not top five. Not top ten. He was outside. He was 13th. Pro football focus had him 15th among running backs last year take it for what it's worth but it just reaffirms that if you don't like the rankings saquon buckley was 30th 3-0 he was 30th in success rate among qualifying running backs last year 30th we were talking about this in the podcast we did with the afc there's a reason you don't pay him it's because you can get 80 percent of the same production from him from a bunch of the middle class running backs that already exist in the league that's why he didn't get a contract. It's not he didn't get a contract because everybody hates running backs. It's because his value over replacement isn't there. We should stop treating him like he's actually an outstanding running back. And dare I say, this is my bias coming in, I think he's an empty calorie scorer, like in the NBA. Like, you know, we have guys who put up 27, 28 points a, team, a game on a bad team. That's Saquon Like Jordan Poole this upcoming season? Like Jordan Poole for the Wizards. That's a great example. That's a wonderful example, right? He's like, ah, 28 points a game. Yeah, because the rest of the team ain't doing shit. Or there's nobody right. else there. Like, that's Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley continually proved that when – when you really need him to get the tough between the tackle yards, he folds up. He's kind of a bitch. I said it since he left Penn State. Like, that's just not his game. He looks beautiful when the lanes are wide open. And when it's not, sorry. He'll 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 blow up a fourth-string cornerback in training camp. And I was like, oh, look at Saquon Barkley. He's just so good at football, right? And then when you need him to do shit, like when it matters, no, he folds like a folding chair, man. So, so you're anyway. telling me he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Christian McCaffrey. I know he racks up. I know he racks up a ton of catches. That's because it's just a, in the dump off game. He's not like an actual weapon in terms of the the terminology we were, we've been using previously. Like he's he's just overrated. Again, he's not one of the freak outliers where you have to give that guy the money because he is the engine of your offense. I mean, there's a dozen running backs who can do what Saquon Barkley did for the Giants' offense. It's coaching, not Barkley. Sorry. Uh, I mean, fair enough. And. <laughs> The, I don't even want to get into the running back debate. And rant, yes. I, anyway. I totally understand why they're not getting paid. I feel bad for them. It does yeah. suck. They do take I, punishment. It is, it's, the league's not fair, but at the same time, that's the value of the position. So. As fans of a team with a, glorify, oh, with, a glorify, with a glorious history at the running back position, I mean, we grew up watching we – were, we were in diapers when John Riggins was playing. Right. But, like, from John Riggins to Ernest Biner and Gerald Riggs to, you know, to – Terry Allen and, and those in Stephen Davis and Clinton Portis and all of those guys through the history of this team. Right. And even Bam Bam Morris. And when, you know, when in the RG three year, right. Like yeah. this, we've had such a great, we have a great affinity for the position because of all the success we've had, but the truth is the truth. It just is. But so again, I, this is not, I don't stay have away. a strong conviction for an over under this is I'm a, this is a total stay away for me. There's just too much uh, variability. So I am more bullish on, the first team in the NFC North that I have listed here. Um, I don't know why I have them listed. I think it's just alphabetical or 
No, it's not even alphabetical. Why are you I, so high on them? Uh, sorry, bearish. I'm bullish on on my bet option for them. I'm not bullish on the team at all. Okay. So Green Bay, the over-under is seven and a half, and the under is positive odds for plus, plus 100. Plus 100. Plus 100. Let's, let's have a conversation here. I, let's let's, let, let's really dig deep into this. Again, the advanced analytics for this team said that they were a seven and a half to eight and a half win team last year, which is right where their win total. I think they finished eight and nine last year, right? So the advanced analytics said, yep, they are an eight win team at best or eight and a half win team at best. ESPN's football, uh, no, sorry, that their FPI has them at seven and a half wins for this year, but let's put that aside. So as I wrote down, explain this to me like I'm five years old. They won eight games last year. Mm-hmm. Their roster is largely, if not entirely the same. Pretty much. And they lost Aaron Rodgers. Yes. One but of the 15 Jordan greatest- Love has been studying under him, and it's going to be the same thing as when Brett Favre left because history repeats itself. One of the six best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the 15 greatest quarterbacks in the in history. And forget history. You can talk about guys on the tail end. Aaron Rodgers is a top six, top seven quarterback in the league today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you are saying, not only are you saying that, that this team is going to – be in that range, but they're not going to have any drop off from last year with a supporting cast of a bunch of second round wide receivers, a second round to below and a somewhat questionable offensive line and a quarterback who is getting his first year of starting. So they, they actually have a good offensive line. The question is going to be, can the offensive line stay healthy? Stay healthy. More, um, more appropriate. Yes. That's what is it, David Bakhtiari. Um, he's played 11 games in the past. What? How many seasons? Um, Multiple. Yeah, so how much can you rely on him? The defense is fine at best. At best. Jordan Love is completely unproven. Aaron Jones, though, could be. I like Aaron Jones a lot. I'm 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 an apologist for his game. I like him a lot. Um, he could be could be interesting um, for a prop bet, but and I think I'm mean, being fair. Like I. I I'll say this because particularly in our league, someone's almost, I think someone just did, did declare they're going to keep him. Like, I actually really like Christian Watson. I think him and Jordan Love is a very nice, like a very nice pairing. But that dude has the dropsies. Uh, he's still in his second year. And, and there's nobody year, else. And they, nobody and yeah, else. I was going to say, who's Romeo Dobbs, Samor Torre. Like, who, who else is there? And then your, 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 your second round tight ends, right? Uh, Musgrave and Croft, right? Like, who's right. there? Who is going to catch passes unless you're going to give Aaron Jones and other hundred targets like you talked about. And the other thing I keep going back to, right? Like everyone's like, oh, well, you alluded to this. Like there was this beautiful transition plan from like Brett Favre to Aaron to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was six and ten as a starter in his first year. His first full mm-hmm. year as a starter. Aaron Rodgers was six and ten. He was great. He threw for 4,4100 yards, something like that, in his first year. He was six and ten. Everyone was about to. I remember. I think there's a couple of TV talk shows. They're like, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has it. I think that you know the, the 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 Packers are in the wilderness for another quarterback. And then Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl two years later. Like it's this. The under on this is one of my favorite bets. Just straight up, the okay. under seven and a half wins. I really like it because under seven and a half. It you went eight 100. wins last year and you lost Aaron Rodgers, and now you're telling me they're going to win eight again. But Matt LaFleur is a really good coach. I don't know that. And I know you're being facetious. I really don't know that. I'm not 100% sure about that. It's one of those, are we sure he's good questions? We're going to find out because yeah. he literally has nothing to lean on. Um, yeah, letting Devontae Adams get away really just crippled that offense. My Absolutely crippled that offense. 
if I had to, if there was such a bet, I would bet at the end of the year that what Lafleur does is he has a seven, six or seven win season. He fires Joe Barry as the fall guy, and he enters next year on the hot seat. Uh, so I don't think you can bet that at most books, to. but uh, I don't think there's a category for first defensive coordinator fired either. <laughs> but Joe Barry definitely should. The fact that he had a competent defense last year was mind-boggling to me and frustrated the hell out of me because. As Washington fans, we know he's absolute trash and garbage. Quick sidebar: the NFL Top 100, which is terrible. It's terrible, and it's is it worse. voted on by the players? It's voted on by the players, and it's worse every year. It used to be that at least you could watch the Top 100, and like the capsules they did on the player were interesting because like you'd get some in- insights into like how the play other players see the player. Now those don't even exist anymore. They're like glorified two minute highlight packages where there's like four four actual highlights embedded in there. So Terry McLaurin was like in the seventies or eighties or something like that in terms of the top 100. And his entire highlight package was Jair Alexander making apologies for himself about how he got owned by Terry McLaurin that game. Like that was the entire high. He's like, no, I had a bad day. It's like, you got your lunch eaten that (laughs) afternoon. Like you, you got owned. And he's like, nah, not only did I have like a bad game, I'm still like the best cornerback in the league. And it's like, just shut up. So recapping the the Green Bay bet, I am st- uh, I, hammering. the under. I really, really like the under there. Really, really like the under. So you don't like Green Bay to win the division then? Is what I you're know. Saying. No, I, I like the, the conventional favorite right now. We'll get to them in, in a moment. Uh, but really not at this particular, not at this specific. What about point. last year's division champ? Did he, the Vikings won it, right? Yeah. Did they actually they Again, were 13 and four. I'm not saying anything. That they were 11 and 0 in games decided by seven points or less. That which is, is like unbelievable. That's like mega Powerball lottery luck. I, I know I have it somewhere, but basically, they got crushed in the first three quarters, and they yeah. somehow came alive in the fourth quarter of games to they lost. Uh, to, to to destroy teams. And I think a lot of that is helped by the fact that they had that. Yeah, they lost the first three quarters by a combined 87 points, which I think is inflated by their debacle against the Colts when they were down 16 to 36 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. That's incredible. That's incredible. What they were able to do in tight games cannot be replicated. The Vikings all of last year, I watched a lot of Vikings. I don't know why. The it was because Justin Jefferson was on my team. That was part of it. But like one one of the big things about the Vikings, you saw this in every game, almost every game, except for the aforementioned debacle that you referenced, right? But it was they would be really good as long as Kevin O'Connell's uh, script was in play, like his pregame script. First fifteen to twenty plays, they were gangsters, man. They were fucking killing it, right? Then the script ran out. They would be up like there were so many games where they they got up or they like had a good lead. And then they coasted, they coasted, they coasted, or they were losing. They were losing. They were losing because Kevin O'Connell's play script ran out. And then they did these crazy fourth quarter rallies. Right. Happened all the time, including against Washington, by the way. Yep. It happened all the time where they started off fast. They completely fizzled. And then they played catch up and won the end, won the game. It, I mean, the most fraudulent double digit win team in God knows how long. And again, going back to the advanced analytics, every projection, if you look at, you feed all their data into a machine. They're like, eh, eight win, nine win team, maybe. And they won 13. Yeah. No, they, they were by far the luckiest team in the NFL. Um, 
I will say I, after watching the Netflix quarterback series, I found myself not hating Kirk cousins as much. Really? I have not watched it yet. I don't recommend it. Cause it's, okay. it's, it's not great. Um, Patrick Mahomes came off a little, little, little bro-ish. Mariota looked like he didn't want to play football anymore. Kirk yeah, Cousins, you're just like, wow, this guy's just genuinely, he's like Ned Flanders. Like he's one of the nicest people in the world. You should have no reason to hate him. And he works his ass off. He takes a beating and he keeps playing and he does everything he's supposed to do. And he just gives it his all at all time. And he's just a pleasant person to be around. And it's very, very hard to dislike Kirk Cousins. Fair enough. I have no, no evidence to object to anything you've just said, literally in, in that span. But um, he does have the advantage that he gets to throw to the best receiver in the NFL right now. That is a huge help. And I think uh, the addition of Jordan Addison is going to make up for the loss of Adam Thielen, who was getting, you know, he's 30 plus years he's old. He's going years. to break yeah. down. He's, he's, he's definitely on the, downside of his career and i think addison's going to fit in perfectly there the question for me is going to be the 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 running game yeah they're putting a lot of bags not to rhyme but they're putting a lot of eggs in the madison basket and i get it like he was very good i know dalvin cook was he not was good last, was it was below par last year it felt a little bit like i'm sure the money was a factor i didn't take a close look at the contract situation but like it felt a little ripping the band off bandaid off early to dump Dalvin cook so quickly. But again, we've talked about the fungibility of running back. So we won't go down that road again. He had um, 1173 yards last year. That's how I felt. I was like, he's, was he really that bad? I know the efficiency numbers were there and I know the advanced analytics were not kind to him, but I'm like, it's still 1100 4.4 yards per carry. I don't understand he's why. He's a very solid dual threat run, runner. Like, I mean, I just, I don't get it. And he was in him and Madison represented a wonderful. And if you really wanted to go down that road about you're worried about cooks, you know, inefficiency, then give more carries to Madison, putting all your eggs in the Madison basket feels, it just feels premature. Right. Particularly because well, they not. didn't add a, a counter punch with him there there. So again, you, you had a regime change the year before. Madison was a leftover from the previous regime. The yep. new regime has brought in their own running backs. So you're looking at one of the younger guys, uh, uh, Chandler stepping up, or they, I think they drafted somebody this year too. Yeah. Potential for somebody that the current coaching staff had influence in oh, getting right. drafted, cutting into playing time. I'm I mean, just saying we, it's a possibility. I know. No, I'm not. Disagree. I know you're 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 voicing the logical rebuttal, which is fair. But it's like, really, in like Ken Anguano and Ty Chandler and 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 Dwayne McBride. Like, are we really thinking that? This, again, I know fungibility. Blah blah blah. I, I get it. I, I don't, you know? So to think that just because Alexander Matson is the starting running back in August for the Vikings does not November. mean that he's going to be dominating in November for the Vikings. Shout out to one of the ESPN beat writers. I think it was who mentioned this. He made a great point for the Vikings in particular. So the Vikings were 27th in defensive DVOA last season. And he's like, all right, understandably, they added five new starters on defense because if your team was that bad last year, you need to change it. But he made a great point. He goes, after adding five new starters, I'm not sure they're any 
better net net than the 27th ranked group that these guys are like brought in to replace like are they really like did they make that like oh like we'll talk about them but like atlanta it's like okay now you can make an argument like this defense is visibly better right it's like did minnesota get demonstrably better you alluded to this in your notes it's like the only addition that they made where you're like okay this is an upgrade is going from those things ed donatel last year who can't remember who was the defensive coordinator to uh it was brian old guys, to brian flores and flores is a very competent coach it's a very you know it's a very solid coach but you can't make you know thanksgiving dinner out of like cold cuts right uh, so they still have a um positional ranking for the front seven still 24th and their secondary is 28th like they're going to need fireworks again to out Outside of the, not to keep talking about the Falcons too early, but outside of like Atlanta's inability to find a pass rusher, Minnesota's inability to find a cornerback is like, how can you consistently every year have the same positional need every single year? Like, wouldn't you fix that at some point? But the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles, the Vikings can't find help at the cornerback position. It's actually rather amazing. So Minnesota to repeat as division champs plus 260. Good lord! I'd take your money and flush it down the toilet. Wow. Maybe I've got I've got too much uh, appreciation for the saint that is Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to wager it. I just this 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 whole division is wide open. I also don't have a ton of faith in the Lions because they're the Lions. Before we get to that, the Lions, we'll take a quick detour in Chicago. I also kind of like this bet, uh, not for the conventional thinking i suppose it's actually for the favorable odds so the giant uh, the, the bears are seven and a half the over under and you're getting a positive return on the under and correct i like the positive return i do like the under and again i want to be clear that I, I have a soft spot for the bears I'm one of my good friends of bears fans i just like them i think they're it's they're one of those franchises where like the nfl is better when the bears are good like it just is yeah and and you know but my projected win bracket for them like this is a six or seven win team i think they're a year away from really starting to make noise like going back to the whole blowing money on the on their on one side of the ball it's like the bears were 30th if not 32nd in dvoa last year like they were at the very bottom of the defensive rankings and they went on they spent a butt ton of money on the defense because you should and it's like okay now i see your path to getting better but look at i mean look at what they did it was a tremaine edmonds and tj edwards at linebacker plus noah sewell in the draft justin jones andrew billings Gervin in free agency and gervon dexter and zach pickens in the draft you know they added a couple of role players into marcus walker and yannick and gakwe and pass rush more cornerbacks like they gave this defense a facelift but that's because they could. Because they, could, they, they, a ton they of money. ate a crap load of dead cap money the previous year uh, to do so. Because again, this is what happens when you have to when you have a, a mismanagement from a previous regime. You yep. have to dig yourself out. So yeah. Atlanta has been digging themselves out. The Giants have been digging themselves out. The Bears have been digging themselves out. And now you're watching the Rams dig themselves out. Ryan um, Pace in his infinite stupidity. So that's fine. But, but have they done enough? You're going into year three for Justin Fields. You really should be pushing more chips. I don't know how much cap space they have available currently, but I think they have a lot. I know this is a terrible comparison, but like I kind of give Justin Fields year one go away because of like kind of like how Trevor Lawrence, like you don't count year one because he had Urban Meyer as his coach. Like I don't count Justin Fields like his year one with I think Matt Nagy was his coach for year one. It's like, no, that doesn't count. You don't you get a reprieve from that. Like Last year was year one. Now, again, Lawrence was phenomenal by the end of the year. 
you know, Fields, I am a Fe Justin Fields apologist. I have stated this over and over again. There are, his physical tools are incredible. The red flags continue to be there. Like a couple of, of ones that I pulled out, like I was looking at some advanced analytics and it's like fourth longest time to throw among all quarterbacks over three seconds between snap to throw. Like it should be around 2.2 to 2.7. It's crazy. You know, now that's a leftover. He held the ball a long time when he was at Ohio state. And there was a big chicken and egg argument about this. Um, the one that was really bad, third biggest deficit between actual completion percentage and expected. So what he should be completing versus what he did, he was third worst in the NFL only ahead of Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson. When you're comparing yourself to Zach Wilson, we have, there's, there, there's, that, that's bad. That's but really he, bad. He was all right in his defense. His offensive line was absolutely putrid, and his, and his weapons were atrocious. Terrible. So I don't know if all that falls on him, but yes, it's definitely a bad look when you're in the company of Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson. I am not shitting on Justin Fields. Like, I am an apologist. I I, I want him to the succeed. The guy is electric. He I is. I think you definitely could see him take a leap this season because of his playmaking abilities and the slight improvements they've made. I think they could have done more to get more weapons in form. Uh, DJ Moore, I think, is going to be a massive boost. First time since high school, he's going into the second year in the same offense. First time that since high usually school. usually helps. So that's there. We talked you alluded to DJ Moore. We saw the power of adding a number one receiver. I think DJ Moore, I'd put him at like a tw number 24 to 27 in terms of like if you ranked all the receivers in the NFL. So fringe number one, but still number one by definition. You and not to mention the fact that he can run down the field really, you know, really fast, which is matches Justin Fields' strength. And I've read things about that there's some synergy or chemistry there, or whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm still, I still think they're a year away. I don't love this. Sure. Like I'm not, I'm not running to the bank to go make this bet quite a quite the same way I was with the Packers. But if you were to bet the under on seven and a half, I would not advise you otherwise. That I mean, that would be my lean because I I still think they're as you said they're they're a year away. They still have way too many deficiencies on defense. So if even though I I see their offensive offensive unit progressing, their defensive units what's going to hold them back, and that's what really crippled them last year is everybody was running all over that team. They couldn't stop anyone to save their lives, and then no. they also couldn't couldn't protect their quarterback. So, and their offensive line's gotten a little bit better, but their defense is still going to be the, their problem child. They do have the advantage of they face the seventh easiest schedule, and they do have a net rest edge of 12 games. So they do have some things in benefiting them. I hope I'm wrong about the Bears. I'll just be clear. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't, see, seven, I don't see seven plus wins yet. Not yet. I'm not crazy to jump on this one. You're not crazy about Detroit either. I, they're like everybody's darling. Like they're already penciled in as division champs. Yep. And I don't fully understand why. Um, so right now their division odds are plus uh, 155. Pretty good. If you do like the over, I would recommend you just don't bother. Bet the division. I agree. I would agree. Because I could see them winning this at nine and eight. And the over under sure. nine and a half. I could easily see them winning at nine and eight. So you could fuck there, but you. So rather you go with the division. I'll the see odd, my case. Good. The odd part though is they're already currently favored in eleven games. 
which is very strange. That seems very like strange, weird. considering that for the most part, the past two years they've been underdogs consistently. Yeah. It used to be that we lost to the Lions. Like, what's wrong with you? Right. I don't know. So, a couple of things, right? I will say this. I think one of the reasons why it is safe to remain bullish on this team is you can say whatever you want to about Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell's got that Mike Vrabel energy where it's like he just coaxes shit out of these guys and they want to play for him and they love him to death, right? Like, whatever it is, he's got it. That's Dan Campbell. I think Ben Johnson is a G. He's a dude. He's that, a dude. He, he can coordinate. Like his stuff is not only is his stuff good, he's really good at tinkering and like just finding little ways to like to, to find to, to introduce new wrinkles into the offense and build off those new wrinkles. His stuff is interesting, right? I mean, case in point, like he made Jared Goff look really, really good right. last season, right? And like I know Jared Goff has a history of regressing back to earth, but like Goff looked really, really good last year. They have a very, very good offensive line. And I will say this, I did mention in my notes, like one of the big linchpins to this team and a pathway for them to very quickly fall short of expectations is God forbid anything happens to Amon Ross St. Brown, because if he's gone, everything can fall apart. But I think they find 80 targets for Jameer Gibbs. Like they'll get, they'll, they'll do him. And I, I'm always very hesitant on rookie tight ends, but I think they find 80 or 75 or 85 targets for Sam Laporta as well. Like I liked him since the pre-draft process. Like he can manufacture offense is what I'm trying to say. Like they can manufacture it. And then the defense, let's be clear that this is not going to be a great defense, but I think it'll be better than it was last year. It'll be sufficient. Let's say six because Aiden Hutchinson is one one year older. Aiden Hutchinson, and he's already. You mean the guy that should have been the number one overall pick last year? The guy year? who should have been the number one overall pick, and everyone in okay. the team that picked number one overall overthought it and said, "No, we're not going to take the best defensive player in college football." Their defensive tackle, particularly, they like Aleem Mitchell over there. There's a little bit of enthusiasm there. They drafted Jack Campbell, linebacker. Linebacker is a really hard position that to transition. That was a huge from. reach. It was a reach, but he huge. can still play. He they can better still hope because he was a second round pick. They took 18th. But okay, I'm gonna get to that in a second. And then you have I don't like their cornerbacks particularly, but Brian Branch was a steal of a pick. Like that guy is like he's got baby Tyron Matthew vibes to him already. I will say this about the Lions draft. You have to look at the guys they took and just rearrange their draft picks. Like okay. they took so you want to put Sam Laporter at, they at took Brian Branch at at twelve. And they took Sam Laporta at 18, and then they took Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell with their like second round. In pick. the second round pick. Just ignore because ultimately it is what's your what's your crops? And like I get it, like that doesn't matter for contracts, but like just if you look at the cachet of dudes they got, don't worry about where they came from. Worry about you know the fact that they added them. And that's I have a, but I have a hard time with that because I I really enjoy value. I'm a value guy. You're 100 percent right. You're getting poor value in the draft, it frustrates the hell out of me. That's all. I'm not going to disagree with you there. It's we yelled. I do get your point. They got some dudes, and if the dudes fit their team, they could be they could have a big impact. It's the argument we had about Jahan Dotson. Love Jahan Dotson. Do we love Love him at 15? Right. Might love him now. Right. Guy can ball. Yeah. So again, I'm totally going. I, I maybe I will bet them for the division. I don't know. That's such a public bet, though. It is a very public bet. And I, I am always been one of those guys who believes that if everybody's saying one thing, you need to run the fuck away from it. Right. Right. So if you if you want to 
I, I think this whole division is minus the uh, Green Bay under is a stay away. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I can't in good conscience in any way condone that the Minnesota is a repeat. Like I just can't do it. I can't do it. I could see it, but I can't do it. I mean, I could see it too. That's the problem. I mean, they're going to have an explosive offense. Does any team in the NFC North play defense? No. Uh, the Packers are a average. The Packers are an average at best defense. And yeah, the other three teams have bottom third defenses. Yeah. That's terrible. That's disgusting. If, if again, this might be my soft spot coming in, but if things were to al- align right from cohesion and health, I could see the Bears floating around 18th or something like that, 18th to 20th. But that's 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 their ceiling right now. Right. Yeah. Not a not a pleasant place to be in. No. Okay. Do we run through this, the north? Let's do the south. Do okay. we have to? I know. Well, can <sighs> we just skip the south? So uh, to your point about New Orleans. I tried rewatching this team a bunch and every time I kept watching this, I'm like, what is this? Like, this is a weird team. Like I don't, I cannot grasp what are the new Orleans saints. And I promise you, this is an original take. I I know the guys on the athletic football uh, podcast talked about this. I had the same thought when I was watching them in my rewatch to try to get a better feel for them for this pod. I kept saying, I was like, are we sure Derek Carr's really that much better than what Andy Dalton looked like last year? Yes. Andy Dalton wasn't terrible last year. He wasn't good. I'm no no one's conflating him for like a top 16 quarterback per se. But I was like, is Derek Carr really that much of an upgrade? Like really? I'm not talking about like on paper Derek Carr versus on paper Andy Dalton. I'm like the way Andy Dalton functioned in this offense last year. Right. It wasn't bad. Like he really, right. really wasn't. And I know Derek Carr actually had an underrated year last year, despite the fact that Josh McDaniels hated him. But <laughs> that's an understatement. And I get it. And like I, I think I had the stat out there. I was like, I always put Derek Carr as like this dink and dunk and Charlie checkdown guy, but like he had like a nine point one yards per attempt, uh, air yards per attempt last year, which is like basically the same as Josh Allen, which I would have never equated the two in the same sentence in that regard. So I don't know. I was I was laughing that when I when when I saw Derek Carr sign, I was like, sell all your Chris Olave stock. But I'm I'm going the other direction on that one. I I just I can't figure this team out. I can't. I know their defense is good. I know Dennis Allen's a defensive oriented coach. I know they've right. got a bunch of pieces. I know Chris Olave is good. I know Mike Thomas could be probably not, but could be nope. going back to health. Not not you know, not going to do it. I, I I don't I don't know what this team is. I really don't. I cannot give you a. I feel good or I don't feel good about this team. I can't figure them out. I can't. So how many players did the Falcons take from them? They, they, they took a few. A couple at least. They took a couple couple, couple defensive uh, players from them. Um, the big thing for New Orleans that is in their favor is they face the easiest schedule in the NFL. I did not know that. Yes, they have the number one easiest schedule in the NFL because they get to play their own crap division and they get to play the AFC South. So literally, they get the poo-poo platter. Talk about cakewalk. Um, Yeah, so the hardest team they play all year is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hardest team all year. That's their hardest would be the Detroit Lions. They do not face a legitimate Super Bowl candidate at all. At all. So that is the reason why they are the favorites to win this division at uh, plus 130. I see it. I don't like it. I see it. I don't like it either because I I just don't – 
I just don't know. Um, they can't run the ball. Alvin Kamara is going to miss three games. He should have missed more, but he's only missing three. But even with him last year, they couldn't run the ball. Kamara's advanced analytics were not fit, were not kind. And I think it speaks volumes that A, they signed Jamal Williams. B, they were kicking tires on Kareem Hunt. Like to me, that says a lot. Right. And they just they just don't have that many offensive weapons. It gets a little thin after Olave and whatever is left of Michael Thomas. Oh, I kind of like Juwan Johnson, their tight end. I don't think he gets enough buzz. He was actually quite good last year. He's kind of a tweener, but like I think he, he was he was pretty interesting. Uh, he kept flashing every time I was watching. I was like, oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Have such a bad taste of Dennis Allen as a head coach that I get it. want to lean under. Especially I get it. Because, again, I would not – if you like the over, don't bet it. Bet them to win the division. Because if they go over nine and a half wins, they're winning the division. Yeah, the nine and a half, I get it. Like they have plus odds there, but yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. That is just that's no, 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 they no. They could absolutely win the division at nine and eight. So if that's what if that's what people like, that's what they can go through. Why is Atlanta everybody's semi darling? Like I know Shark Analytics love them. The guys at Athletic love them. They're so buzzy. Like, it, we, so we were talking about this. I can't remember if it was on camera, off, on the record, or off the record. But it's like, look, again, I have for this. Don't want to make a buzz about our fantasy league, but like, I have the rights to be John Robinson in our in our league this year. Even I'm saying, like, we gotta hold our horses on the hype. Like, it's 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 getting a little much now. Like, we're talking about like people are projecting Edgerin James Marshall Falk type of production in his rookie year from a dual threat like standpoint. I'm like. I get it. He's a wonderful, dynamic player. He was a top five prospect in last year's draft in a bad draft or not a very good draft last year, but like he was, but even then, like, and I get it. Their offensive line is very good. Good to very good. But let's, let's, let's take a step back for a second. We'll put quarterback because that's the obvious, that's the elephant in the room. Drake London is a very good receiver. He's he's good to very good as well. Very good. Is he the second best receiver out of that draft class? behind Chris Olave. See, people shit on Garrett Wilson. I still think Garrett Wilson was the best receiver in that class. Okay. See, I, I'd still say, I, but it, Olave seems like people are like, I don't know. They're like inflating him a little bit. Like I still feel like Garrett Wilson was the more complete receiver. Anyway, second best, maybe third, but at worst third, right? right. I don't know. Dodson blows up this year, then we're going to have a conversation and I really like his talk. But anyway, past London, you have, you have Mac, Mac Hollins, and you got the Scotty guy from Tampa Bay. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. And and like I think that's about it. And then you have whatever you can salvage of like Arthur Smith's love hate relationship with Kyle Pitts. Okay, so you have those, and that's so that's the rest of your offense. Now again, I get the argument. People are going to be like, oh, the he's going to get another. B. John Robinson's going to get another eighty targets or whatever. And fine if you diversify where you have like. Algier running the ball a lot more. I I, I I understand what you're trying to do here. Algier's going to get a ton of carries. It still feels a little House of Cards-ish, you know, when you put it all together. And then talk about House of Cards. Like, I know everyone just assumes that Desmond Ritter is going to, like, not crash the car. But, like, are we sure he's not going to crash the car? Well, last year, Marcus Mariota was one of the least accurate quarterbacks. I mean, bottom five right in the NFL. Next to him was Desmond Ritter. All right. So it wasn't just his fault. So I think, but I think Desmond, I think Marcus Mariota just really had a propensity for 
ill-timely turnovers. Yes. Um, which was absolutely his biggest downfall. So I was I went back again to get my grasp around the Falcons and just one of those things, you know, Ritter does miss the air the, the strike zone. He airmails some throws, but like it's slow and yet frenetic at the same time when you watch him maneuver in the pocket. And he was polished coming out of like people liked his polish coming out of school, but like you know, that processing speed is very much a thing in terms of like how you're, you're in your comfort in doing so. Like that's just a huge part of the quarterback position and it just feels a tick slow for him. Now, maybe going into the second year of the offense and the comfort will be there. Sure. Yeah. That, that, that is very much a thing or very much an argument you can make. I don't know. I, I, it may be another year for him before the light really turns on and maybe, you know, he has a, uh, dare I say a Jalen hurts type season this year. Well, I don't see it, but I'm just, I'm just saying. So again, they're they're another team that was digging themselves out of cap hell. They're digging themselves right back into it really soon too. Last year they had eighty four million in dead cap, so forty two percent of their cap was dead. They spent more on dead cap than they spent on the offense or the defensive unit. They've made improvements to their defense, but I don't think they've really added. They've added dudes. They've added dudes. Jesse Bates, I think, is a very nice fit on. But the he's defense. the only blue chipper on the team. He's the only blue chipper. The rest are. Sorry, Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett and, and Jesse Bates are the only two blue chip players on the defense. That's not enough. What's the dude they got from the 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 Lions? Jeff, Jeff Okuda. But Okuda. Okuda is one of those guys that he looks like Tarzan, plays like Tarzan drunk. <laughs> so he's right? drunk Tarzan. Right. Like he's just like, he can have his moments where like, Oh, you're like, Oh, that's the guy that was the third overall pick. And then a lot of times you're like, what in Jesus name are you doing? Yeah. Right. I think you alluded to it earlier that their biggest downfall is they have nobody that can rush the passer and they're historically bad at running, like rushing. Like they can't, they cannot generate a pass rush. They added Khalil's Campbell and Bud Dupree. I've always loved Calais Campbell. Always been a big fan, but the guy's like, he's almost our age at this point. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, he'll be fine. He'll do fine. And I think Bud Dupree's just a man. You'll get a little bit out of him, but that doesn't solve their problems. Yeah. Yeah. The ceiling for Bud Dupree, like you said, is like if he has all things go right, 10 sacks. And that's, that's not season altering. What if Taylor Heineke plays for them? Oh, don't tug at my heartstrings. Don't tug it. No, we all, I, I mean, being completely objective, right? We all know who Taylor Heineke is. Heineke will give you four delightful games and then he's going to turn into a pumpkin. I'm sorry. Like, I love Taylor Heineke. It's very, very difficult for me to he's say. He's a baller. Like, he, he's just, he's so gritty. It's impossible to root against him. But his shelf life is five games. And after that, his, his body falls apart. Like, it's just, as I've said a thousand times, and I'll say a thousand more, the quarterback position in the NFL is now the NBA. It's it's your physique. It is your physical tools. It is your ability to just be the most dominant athlete on the field. That's just what it is in today's game. You can't be statuesque or I don't even think the Drew Brees archetype works anymore. So what do, what do we think about them for the division at plus 210? Because that's the only thing that intrigues me. And I think you're putting a lot of your stock in Desmond Ritter, which I you're guess, too much. It's a there a lot of faith in. I can make very strong arguments in either direction, which means this is a complete stay away from me. I just can't. I can't. 
See, do, don't you see why I said the AFC was much easier yeah. than NFC? Because I like, still got a couple up my sleeve for the for the NFC, but but I I I see it. So right now, if I'm looking at my sheet, I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven bets plus little ad bets from the AFC podcast. Right now, I've got two. two I'm about bets. to give you three. Uh oh. About to give you number three. So going down into the NF to the NFC South, uh, the next team. Tampa Bay, six and a half. Uh, the the vig on it is trash. Slam, slam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Give me all of that under. Give me all the under, right? Like, so I have, like I said, my mea culpa for Arizona is that they are not the team competing with the Indianapolis Colts to be the worst team in the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the worst team. Are the competing with the Indianapolis Colts to be the worst team in the NFL? This was a eight-win team. Again, let me be, let me say this as clearly as I can. This was an eight-win team with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is gone. Do so the math. It, again, if we if we look at worst uh, team odds, the Cardinals are at two fifty. The second team would be the Buccaneers at nine fifty, which. That's really good value. And then your beloved Indianapolis Colts are at 1,500. I want to say this again. They were eight wins without Tom Brady. And now you are putting your faith in Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is grossly overmatched as a coach. He is grossly overmatched. And the quarterback downgrade has gone from Tom Brady. And I know Brady was not particularly good last year. We have notes on the stats. Brady... Definitely was going through the motions last year. If you really closely look like Brady was like the fact that he retired should be less surprising. If you really closely watch the Buccaneers last season where he's, he had so many fuck this games anyway, but you're going from Brady, whatever he was, 75% of Brady, 75% of the goat to Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Oh. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, by all accounts, is a bottom five quarterback in the NFL last year. And Kyle Trask has never taken an NFL snap. The highlight of Baker Mayfield's career is state farm commercials. Yes, that's literally it. Um, their offense is still, or their defense, I mean, is still average. They'll be okay. Uh, the receivers, Not if they're on the field all fucking game. What's that? Yeah. Not true. if they're on the field the whole game. Their receivers are, they still have talent, even though I think last year was Mike Evans' worst season. Easy. Um, Easy. And I don't see it getting better for him. So my only contradiction of myself is this is Mike Evans' contract year. That's my only contradiction. Yeah, but he's still got to rely on Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield getting him the football. And as um, I wrote down, people don't realize Chris Godwin was their best receiver last year coming off an ACL. Their offensive, offensive line is terrible. I love Ryan Jensen. He's like the greatest ginger ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that he's back, but he's still coming back from a severe knee injury. And he that hasn't one. even started practicing fully he's still yep. um he participates so i think it's, he snaps footballs it's like walk he doesn't through, do anything else walk through um, and things like that tristan Worf was one of the best right tackles in the nfl now you've moved him to left tackle I, that's uh, not necessarily an easy transition or slam dunk and the rest of the offensive line is just garbage i will go back uh, to the, the the defense outside of whatever they're whatever you're going to get from um, Shaq Barrett, if he's you know close to form that he was from a couple of years ago. Um, I am one of the world's biggest Vita Vea fans. I was since the day he left Washington. Um, but even then, name me the blue chip player on this defense. Antoine Winfield Jr. I love Winfield. Uh, yeah, fine. But like blue, blue. You asked me to name one, and I did. But like, I'm talking about like 
would Winfield really start for more than 16, like for like more than half the teams in the league? Yes. Fine. Yes. I'll concede that. But I also, I, I yeah. The I problem is he hasn't been healthy. Yeah. And cause, and that's his knock, like that's his thing. Right. Right. So self, uh, self-fulfilling right there. So I don't see outside of our affinity for certain players. Like I don't see a blue chip player, like Kalaja Kansi, great player. Awesome. Fascinating prospect. Felt weird on Tampa. There was a bunch of other places where you're like, oh, that makes more sense. I, Tampa was like, okay, all right. That felt, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a report a year from now where like they were like they liked another guy and they they lost on him. They panicked and they took Kansi. Like that kind of feels like what happened. Anyway, I just I don't see it. Yeah. I, no. What's What's their roadmap to winning games? Rashad White. Rashad White's a below average. Rashad White is a Mendoza line running back. Let me be they, very clear. They that. have the worst running back committee in the nfl if you put down. rashad white's jersey on chase edmonds who's his backup and they just switched jerseys and nobody knew it there would be no difference but There'd chase be- edmonds was really good in my no nope, he nope, was he actually not bad uh, uh he was not bad in arizona they arizona. just took him, they took him out after the 20 yard line and they would put james connor in but right. um but honest to god like if you just switch their jerseys and nobody knew there was like they were you know doing like freaky friday or whatever like they're the same guy the Rashad White hype is – I don't get it. I don't get it. So what's their avenue to winning games outside of, like, Baker Mayfield turning into Drew Brees, which is obviously not going to happen? That is – I don't see that. Oh, and first-year offensive coordinator too, by the way. Yeah. Again, they don't have the hardest schedule because they have their own division. Um, they have the That's 14th the only... ranked schedule. So I don't know. I, I very much like the under. They, I, they, they literally put all their chips that it's similar, similar to the Rams. They put all their chips in one basket. Yep. They paid the Piper. The bill is now due and now they're going to be paying it. And now they have to rebuild. That's just how it works. And would they trade that? Absolutely not. They got a Super Bowl. Good for them. So rounding out the NFC South in Carolina, this one is hard for me because I am it- e- emotionally compelled, but not logically compelled to take the over here or like I, I feel I can't make a good argument for it, but like I just my gut feels the over here. Eight wins. Eight wins. Okay. Like, All right. I I will give you arguments of why. Um, what did they win last year? Seven. They won seven games with Matt Rule. With Matt Rule. And now they have an All Star head coaching staff. You went from Matt Rule to All Star. Now again, you can argue a bunch of those wins came under Steve Wilkes, who was a competent, competent. was a baseline competent head coach. But yes, um, your point is, is is very accurate in the sense that they have uh, that seven games in their previous regime, and you're asking them to win one more. But they also have the fourth easiest schedule, because again, fourth, fourth easiest schedule. They at, Cowboys at and Jaguars are the hot, hardest teams they play. At best, took a half step backwards um, in terms of their defensive coordinator, their defensive staff, and I think the thing half going step back backwards. Is, you think they took a half step backwards? At, I don't think they at, took a step at, backwards at all. At most, at most, if you're being bare, if you're being really bullish on uh, Steve Wilkes, and you say like, no, that guy had a hell of a performance last year, and going to Jiro ever. I don't think. I think it's a lateral move. You know. In the, did, did you not see what the Broncos defense did last year? I'm not I, granted. They do have talent. I'm looking at the glass half full. I agree with you. You're preaching to the choir on this one. I'm just saying, if you're trying to be a pessimist about it. And the other thing that I keep coming back to, if you watched Carolina's offense last year, it was like, remember how like three yards in a cloud of dust Washington's offense was last year. Yeah. Carolina's was like that, but worse. Who was their starting quarterbacks? Baker exactly. Mayfield. who's in Tampa. 
Baker and Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, and PJ Wa- PJ Walker, PJ Washington, PJ Walker, and and like they just were not good. Like they just were obviously not good. They were the they ranked thirty first in completion percentage. The Carolina Panthers quarterbacks. It was such a vanilla, unexplosive, boring offense. Like at least we had Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Right. Their entire offense. Uh, and I forgot to mention him in the Chicago in the Chicago section. Their entire offense was Deontay Foreman and Ch- Chuba Hubbard. Like that was their offense. I, DJ Moore was like he was there when somebody could actually get him the ball. But like their entire thing, Deontay Foreman, I really like him as a signing. And I was not a big Deontay Foreman guy early in his career, but I was really impressed with what he did in in, in Carolina last year. Uh, so you went from a basic ass vanilla offense, bottom of the bottom rung of the league to semi competent. With Frank Reich, right, and, and Thomas then, Brown and company, right. The, um, sorry, Thomas Thomas Brown, who they stole from the Rams, the the Rams, who is an assistant head coach, who also interviewed for the offensive coordinator position here in Washington. Even though we had a sham process and we were going to hire Eric Bieniemy all, all the whole time. Oh, that's sickening. That one's going to hurt. That's, that's gonna hurt. really going to hurt. Yep, um, he had a sham interview here because we're going to hire Bieniemy the whole time. So their offensive line isn't terrible, but boy, did Bryce, Bryce Young look under, under duress that yeah. entire first quarter. He got his ass kicked. And again, what was the concerns going into the draft? He's Durability. too small. He's too small. Can he hold up when he has refrigerators landing on him? If you want to take it one step further for concerns, um, nobody is going to mistake Adam Thielen and DJ Chark for Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Uh, so you know, that's fine. And I know, um, again, Hayden Hurst is not a top 15 tight end. So they're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. I've never, been a, I've never been a big Miles Sanders guy, but they paid a lot of money to, to sign Miles Sanders. And like, mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of him, but they are. Whatever that's whatever that's good for. You like LaVistus Chenault? I got the dropsies. That's another thing, right? Like, I get that they want to make him Cordero Patterson I'm not going to call him Christian McCaffrey, but like you know, they want to make him a Cordero Patterson type of transition, but like he's just got the drop season. Like I just, I mean, maybe it works and I hope it does for them, but like I, he's a hell of an athlete. No, no doubt about it. He's very Cordero Patterson like in that regard. I don't know. I think just Atlanta is such a weird situation. Like they're the only ones who can really make that work. Right. Well, their coaching staff's the only coaching staff that can make that work. Cause clearly right. they're the only ones that have done it. Yes. I, 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 I'm going to say this. I'm not condoning putting any money on it, but I will openly state that the least surprising scenario for me, for me personally, again, speaking more, I guess, emotionally than logically, is if Carolina wins a division. Really? That's the least surprise, least surprising outcome for me. Because again, it's like, I see them, I can understand them being good. No, I guess Atlanta winning the division would be the least surprising because like right. you see the road. But like Carolina's plus three sixty, Atlanta's plus two ten. I I Carolina's pieces on defense, like they have like JC Horn's a dude, Jeremy Chin's a dude, Derek Brown's a dude, Brian Burns a dude. Brian Burns is a dude. They've got should have drafted Brian Burns over Dwayne Haskins. Um, (laughs) Don't bring that up. They they they've got dudes, right? Like I think their only deficiency, which is a big one, is if any gaps in their offensive line. But otherwise, and and again, the lack of real explosive playmakers that we just touched on. It's no, it's the playmaker. It's their receiving core. Their receivers ranked thirty first 
31st in the NFL. That's going to be their downfall. And they've got a rookie quarterback that they better figure out how they can protect. And I think they're putting too, we're also putting too many eggs in that. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know, Jonathan Mingo. And I'm like, let's, let's slow down a little bit. Let's just, let's cool off a little bit. Maybe next year, maybe, but real quick, look, look at their first six games, Atlanta, New Orleans, Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, and Miami. If they were 0 and 6, would you be surprised? I would be as surprised as I would be if they were 3 and 3. So, I mean, I they come out the gates. I, that, I mean, it's not the hottest, you know. I mean, it's not the the the, the most intimidating, but at Atlanta sucks, at Seattle plus- sucks, at Detroit sucks, at, at the Dolphins suck. I totally see where you're going. But then to your flip side, home for the Texans, home for the Colts, at the Bears, the Cowboys suck. But then you're finishing the schedule with the Buccaneers, home for the Falcons, home for the Packers, and home for the Buccaneers, right? Like, I'm kind of talking myself out of it now as you're as you're walking through this. But, you know, if they get a little bit of pixie dust in the right direction, I think. is Does Frank Frank Reich have enough juice to squeeze something out of this offense? I don't know if Frank Reich does, but I think up. the holistic coaching staff, to your point. I don't know. I I guess. I mean, they won seven last year. This division is such a is, is such a just like, at least in the AFC South and the AFC even the North where you're like, I see the top of the division. Right. It's like, what the fuck are we supposed to make in the like the north, the north and the south over here? As you said, the only team where you're like they're not winning the division is Tampa Bay. Tampa but Bay. The, Carol, if Carolina won it, you'd be like, oh, good for them. If Atlanta won it, you'd be like, yeah, I figured. And then if the Saints win it, you'd be like, well, they were supposed to. Even in the north, if the Packers won it, you're like. I get it. I saw it, right? The Vikings, same thing. The Lions, same thing. The Bears, the Bears are definitely not winning it. But rounding it out, particularly for teams that should win the division, we'll go to the West really quickly. Uh, San Francisco. I think it's pretty self-explanatory here who they are. Um, there's a reason why the odds are gross for the 10.5 over-under. They're gross for the over because it's just another one of the scenarios where, like, fifth easiest schedule. We easiest schedule you alluded to it kyle shanahan is is just he's a, he's a fucking wizard like so i i listened to the i'll talk about it more about the rams but i listened to the jordan Rodriguez pod, podcast the play callers and everyone's just like shanahan's fucking nuts like he is he is a sociopath in terms of like he is looking for any way to destroy op- opposing defenses his sole purpose in life outside of being a family man on in his personal life when he's not at work is to find ways to wreck defenses this is his sole mission in life. And it's in like, and he's, he's very damn, driven and he's damn good at it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And even McVeigh's like, I hold McVeigh, McVeigh, McVeigh is always considered boy genius. And McVeigh's like, I don't, I don't think I have shit on Shanahan. Right. What's their head to head What is their head to head matchup? Like what's McVeigh versus Shanahan? Shanahan? I think McVeigh is down, but I can't remember what the results exactly were. No, um, Shanahan's dominated him. Yeah. So, the questions were well documented in other podcasts, so I won't go down that road. But it's it's there's some questions on the offensive line. There they have lost depth in the favor of being a little more top heavy. And then of course the most obvious one is Brock Purdy, which we alluded to. Like okay, Brock Purdy is far and away their best quarterback. Um, I think I have to eat a L like the Jameis Winston crab legs for Trey Lance. I was all in on Trey Lance. I think I was too, but I think we also, you had the fact that you're like Kyle Shanahan's going to be coaching this guy. He's a dynamic player. He should, he should, he's going to have the explosive arm. He's going to have the rushing talent. Kyle Shanahan should be able to do whatever the hell he wants with this guy. And he's going to explode and he just can't stay on the field. 
that's that's number one. Cannot stay on the field. You, uh, I think the guys in the athletic alluded to it too, but it seems more and more like Shanahan wants a guy who. I think the, the metaphor they use was paint by numbers or point and shoot or whatever. Right. And it's like, that's not Lance. So that's not Lance's game. First and foremost, the injuries have completely derailed his career. As the old saying goes, number one ability is availability. And your progression is so delicate when you're not able to have that time focused on being a quarterback versus focusing on rehab. And I think with only one year of starting experience at North Dakota state of all places. Like, I don't know. I just don't think he was ready to, um, to take on the monster. That is a Kyle Shanahan offense. Like, right. And, and who knows what his future is. He's definitely staying on the team this year. I don't see them moving him um, just because they want a full quarterback room after the tragedy of last season. Um, they definitely want to have a full quarterback room. Sam Darnold will be on this team. Um, and I would not be surprised if he made an appearance at some point. And I would not be surprised if he's not terrible. Sam Darnold. Sam, uh, Sam Darnold's another guy who I, God bless him. I, he has, he has Patrick Ramsey syndrome. Just like, being, he's gotten the crap beat out of him too he much. Has. Cause like when you watch Sam Darnold, um, coming out of USC, like he reminded me so much of like a big Tony Romo where like, he was so good at like just maneuvering in the pocket and like buying time and making improvisational plays or just breaking the defenses back when they were like, they felt like he was right on him. And God, that guy, he's just, is that one game, I think it was against new England when he was with the jets where he's like, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Like I think the jets, I mean, in God bless Adam Gase. And I say that derisively for he ruined him. He ruined totally. like just totally killed that guy. That guy has nothing left because his development was completely fucked up. And, and I think Donald is just too skittish and skittish and frenetic and all of those things. Cause like, he just never had time to develop tools are still there. I think processor's gone and it's, I'm not saying that cause I like it. It's just, I think his, his development is trashed and I don't think anybody can fix it. So bottom line for, for the 49ers to have success is they need Brock Purdy to be Jimmy Garoppolo or better, which I think he can be, which I think will be fine. I think the bottom line, and this is such a cop out, but they have to stay healthy. They say healthy 12 games is a cakewalk, a cakewalk. I still don't really want to touch this one at minus 142, 145. Because there's a there's a high variability. They just have such an easy schedule. It's just, The quarterback position scares the crap out of me with the 49ers. I love – again, if you think about it, if you think about who's going to win the NFC, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, does any of these those three jump out at you? Outside of the fact that the Eagles have the most complete roster top to bottom, no. The 49ers are right behind them right. and have an easier schedule. You can't put any good faith in Dallas's offense. Like, you just can't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will, I will look into this. I, if those two teams are not in the NFC Championship, something went very wrong along the way. Right. Uh, so, NFC champion. So, uh, along the same note, uh, to – NFC champion Eagles plus 330, 49ers plus 400. Like that would be that they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm wondering what the regular season one is. I'll look that up later. Not important. Um, I hope you have something interesting to say about the Seahawks because I don't. And I I say that because they're another team. I, I use the same logic that I use for the Saints. Every time I watch the Seahawks, I watched a bunch of stuff coming into this to prepare. And, I'm, and I just kept saying the same thing. Like, what is this? What am I supposed to take away from this team? This is, I, I, I hate speaking cliches, but this was one of those teams where like, I can see them beating anybody and losing to anybody. Right. I, just, I didn't understand this team at all. 
And like, I know everyone's like, you know, Gino Smith and blah, blah, blah. And like, I tried, I was wondering if he was like a, you know, first half, you know, uh, stagecoach, second half pumpkin. And, you know, he had a regression in the second half. He had a, but it's not that big of a drop off. He it didn't wasn't. fall off a cliff. It was just because the first year, first half of his year, he, it was literally MVP numbers, literally MVP numbers. And he came back to normal, but a, still well above average numbers. I still feel like it's an outlier. You have to, like, you're asking me to trust Geno Smith to do that again. I know. I'm sorry. And, and he's behind a, a, a poor offensive line. It's it's a little rickety. It could be better because they were starting rookies last year. So if Charles Cross takes a, takes a leap or Abraham Lucas gets – maybe those guys take a leap and that, that, that unit improves. Damn, the receiving some- core, though, is so jacked. It is. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett doesn't get the credit for that he deserves. Tyler Lockett's a top 25 receiver, no pun intended, lock, lock stock, right? Like he he really is. DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. We don't need to go any there. And then Jackson Smith and Jake, but by all accounts, are all he very positive. Looks reviews. like a dude. And my boy, my soft spot, Noah Fant is still the tight end over there. Like they, they, there's. They so offensively, they have weapons if they can keep Geno Smith upright and if Geno Smith doesn't take a step back. Jackson Smith and Jigbu playing in the slot is exactly the right spot for him. Like if he gets drafted by any other team, let's say he's drafted by the Bears and they want to put him. No, not. No, yeah. he's in it, the perfect spot for him. And I think he's going to to shine in that role. He will be a, a pest for defenses all year. Very much so. I am, as someone who has the keeper rights to Kenneth Walker, I am very bearish, very bearish on him. Like, he was already one of the least efficient running backs. If you go back and look at the analytics, like he was zero yards, one yards, negative two yards, one yard, zero yards, negative two yards, 50. (laughs) Right? That's That's what you want, right? That was him. And now he's coming into the season with a groin injury. Speaking as fans of a team with like a guy like Curtis Samuel, who that groin injury just never went away. No. That isn't, doesn't bode well for a running back. Oh, and by the way, they drafted Zach Charbonnet, which I wanted to throw my computer across the room when I saw that given my keeper rights to, to Kenneth Walker. Yeah, no, he so, definitely should uh, put a little dent in his, uh, in his timeshare. So, and Charbonnet is a really good running back. I really yeah. liked him coming out of the draft. I mean, they took so, him 52nd overall. Yeah. So that wasn't a, ah, that's fine. Let's, throw at a piece here that was a very deliberate pick and charbonnet is a run and catch guy i personally like the devin witherspoon draft pick nobody opposed to coming. nobody saw that coming if you saw if anybody and i mean anybody in the pre-draft process saw said they saw seattle taking different witherspoon they are full of shit most best espionage who's the corner they should have taken then why am i getting this one confused it's not who they should have taken is everyone assumed everyone nobody knew who they were going to take Oh, Seattle, they just assumed it was quarterback. There was talk of Anthony Richardson. I didn't buy it for one second. But if you go back in our pre-draft, like there was a little bit of Jalen Carter talk. There was Tyree Wilson talk. Um, I think those are the two prime candidates, if I'm not mistaken. Everyone's like, oh, it's. I don't think they did wrong by taking Witherspoon. No, no, Witherspoon's a he's a dude. He's gonna like, be a stud. Yeah, he's he's great. I'm not slamming the pick. Okay. I'm just slamming people who thought that we're gonna take somebody else. So I think the the problem was is that their front seven is lacking and still lacking and they could have addressed it but it's just a weird team and i don't understand them 
it's a weird team because you got old ass Pete Carroll and you got Geno Smith who's a retread. Like, how can you put a whole lot of faith in this? And then yet they've got like studs like Metcalf and the you know Metcalf and and, and Lockett and then Jigba and Smith and Jigba and then like you know they've got really interesting pieces in the secondary now. So it's like you know you're really strong in certain areas and you're really eh, in other areas. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? Again. What they do last year, nine and eight. Nine and eight. You just need them to go nine and eight again. And that feels like who, where they're going to live, and that's just so underwhelming. I know, but like we're just talking from a, and again, the, the over eight and a half is mainly where the money's gone. I'm not um, touching it. Not not with a twenty foot stick attached to a twenty foot stick. I I agree, but no. I'm just saying that's where it's coming from. Okay, now let's get a little spicier. Uh oh. I really like. Six and a half wins for the Rams is too low. It's too low. You think they're going to be better? I do. Why? Have you looked at their roster? Uh huh. And I have. No, you haven't. You no, cannot I, honestly tell me that and have looked at their roster. They so, they have they have Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and hobos. I will concede hobos. to you. I will concede to you that like you could make up. I think Robert Mace makes this joke. Like you can make up names for the people in the back seven of their defense and be like, oh, yeah, this is the guy starting. And I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. Right. You yeah, can they got Frank Wilson at uh, safety. You can, make, you can make names up. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Right. My counters are the Rams won six games last year with Baker Mayfield. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they won six games. And their over under is six and a half. You are telling me right now that number one, Matt Stafford plays eight games, just eight. Just give me eight games of Matt Stafford. I know Cooper Cup is already banged up all right now, but you have him a moderate. If this line goes from an F minus to a D plus, I'm not even asking for a passing grade per se. Like if they go to a D plus, maybe let's get a first game called C minus with some of the upgrades they made there. You can find seven wins. So they definitely have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They did. They might have had a bottom three, if not bottom two, not bottom one, offensive line last year. I think it's marginally better. Combine that with some of the pe- – like you, I think Cooper Cup is still going to be a fine. He'll be fine when this league, the he year totally will be. I think Van Jefferson takes a small step forward. They I need like, him to. I like – Who else like, is going to step forward? Scrappy white guy Ben Skoranek. Uh, Tyler Higby, people overlook him, even though I think he's kind of a hillbilly racist, but like, I be, you know, he's still a good tight end. He can play football. Their running back room is not as shitty as you think. Like, Cam Akers is not a stud running back, but Cam Akers is a pretty solid running back. But we've Tyron all been Wilson burned by Cam Akers. Well, a, I've been burned by Cam Akers. And Tyron everybody Wilson. is on that train. Like, that, that the tickets are selling out for the Cam Akers train right now. And I, 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 I'm far, I'm far away from that train, but if you're, uh, but I'm also far away from the, he's doo-doo train. The, I think he'll be fine. The combination of him, Kyron Williams, who I think is, it has a little deep sleepery potential and um, Zach Evans, who is also a really good running back. Like the trio of them put together, like there's something it's not, am I saying they're going to make the playoffs? I don't think so. I think that's really ambitious. Right. And Again, I fully recognize their back seven of their defense is total doo-doo. It's total trash. Sean McVay had the last year from hell. He wanted to rejuvenate himself. Again, the Jordan Rugby podcast, the, the play callers, spent a big portion of time talking about the fact that like last year he was just in a bad headspace and 
the entire culture or like the entire vibe of the locker room was just awful. Right. And like, he had to kind of walk away from that. And like, everything is kind of a, almost a 180. And I feel it's like the piece is right for at least for they're a couple of a fun, positive training camp and they're all working their ass off. Barring shit completely being torn apart. And yes, I know they're going to, they're probably gonna have to pay the piper even worse next off season, but barring another string of terrible injuries, finding seven wins for this team feels dare I even say easy. I, I, I this is almost, it's laughable to me in some cases. And I mean, maybe I'm just a little too optimistic about this, but I'm like, this was a really, really bad team last year. And they were still 23rd in offense despite playing the aforementioned people we mentioned last season and then 18th in defense. I know the defense doesn't take a step back, but they'll, they'll find seven wins. They'll find seven wins. There's, will they find 10? No, I, I, I love them. And particularly because of the fact that a place like FanDuel, you're getting positive on the, on the, uh, the, 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 the over love it. And then my last and final hot, if not contradictory take is I like Arizona over four and a half. The more I thought about it. When's, when's Kyler Murray getting back? I am assuming that Kyler Murray in my head, which means absolutely nothing, but like I'm assuming Kyler Murray comes back around Thanksgiving. Okay. Right around Thanksgiving. That's the, cause that seems realistic to me. And let's even say that he has the, I come back from injury, but I look like Deshaun Watson, AKA completely garbage. Uh, or like when I come back cause new offense, rust, lack of chemistry with, I mean, he has, he played with those dudes before, but just, you know, new offense, right? Even then, so you were talking about watching the the um the the quarterback show on Netflix, mm-hmm. the quarterback series. I just I think it was yesterday or the day before, I just finished watching the Johnny Menzel documentary on, on Netflix, right? Obviously the main takeaway was Johnny Menzel basically like almost you know partied himself into to death, literally. Like that was the main takeaway. The second main takeaway I got from that was that Cliff Kingsbury is a garbage coach. He is a garbage coach. Cliff Kingsbury was Manziel's offensive coordinator. And his entire thing was like, I'm just going to let Manziel do whatever he wants at all times, all the time. That was meant, that was entirely Cliff Kingsbury's mantra. And if you watch hard knocks in season with him um, in Arizona, it was clear where like, he was like, he's like the old guy walking into a bunch of rooms. He's like, how do you do fellows? And like, just a complete poser. He just didn't fit. And everyone's like, yeah, just shut the fuck up. Just stop talking to me. Did he ever come back from Thailand? Or did he just stay there? No, he's the offensive coordinator somewhere. I can't remember where he is. Really? I want to say he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's the OC somewhere. I want to say USC, but don't hold me to that. Or maybe I'm making that up in my head. But anyway, Cliff Kingsbury was a garbage coach. Like, he was really bad. And I'm not saying Jonathan Gannon is like Bill Belichick by any stretch of the the Bill uh, Belichick by any stretch of the imagination. But it's like, there are... Players are already being like, this is a complete 180. Like the coach pays attention. The coach actually gives a shit about details. The coach actually like has a plan and knows what he's doing. And I know that's all off, like all new, new boss, hunky dory, rosy, rosy, uh, you know, sunshine and roses. But I think it still speaks volumes. So I found it funny because like one of the, one of the things I heard was that Jonathan Gannon's so organized and professional. And I'm like, Shouldn't that be the bare minimum? Yeah, right. For a head coach, like, like at a minimum, you should be organized and professional. I think it speaks volumes to the contrast. Yikes. That's I, I think Cliff Kingsbury tried to bro himself, like bro himself into like winning games. I really did. Or really do rather. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work. I think they're already like the new defensive coordinators, like 
we couldn't figure out a position to play Isaiah Simmons. What if we just basically turn him into like a safety death star type of position? It's like, oh, funny, like what he did in college and like where he's well, putting him in the slot. And Isaiah Simmons is one of the two high. Like they're basically like turning him to like a big, you know, big nickel, which is shocking. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, Zayvon Collins, why don't we put him in one position, which he probably has the best skill set for, and then we'll figure everything else out. Amazing. Which isn't isn't that the most logical course of action, but like they're doing that. And then again, I think the one thing that Kyler Murray was screaming about the whole time is like, I need somebody to make sure I don't get killed. And what do they do with their first pick? They draft somebody to help make sure Kyler Murray doesn't get killed. They actually address the offensive line for once. Like they're actually doing competent things. How long it lasts? I don't know. I think they can find five wins. I don't know over and over. And I, I know, like, I, I made a comment. I was like, outside of their season over against Washington, their first nine games are pretty brutal, right? But look at their last seven-ish games. It's like they get the Falcons at home, the the Texans at home, Rams, the Rams at home, you know, the Bears, Bears up, over there. Like, there's and, – and to your point, if Kyler comes back and is okay – Kyler's a baller. Like he shows up on game day. Like as much as you don't like him, he plays. When it's when 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 it's Sunday and it's game time, the kid just plays his ass off. He's like chasing so a roadrunner. I runner. think that will get them some wins. So if Colt McCoy can get them two or three, Kyler Murray's certainly going to get them the other two or three. I I I really like them. I I mean I don't really like them from like a, you like them at five wins. Yeah, I like them at five wins. I don't. I'm not nearly as like stamp it and take it to the bank and write it in blood about them being the worst team in the league, which is going to be funny. Cause like, I don't think they're going to have like the first two picks that everyone projects them to have in the next year's draft, which is good. Cause they don't need a quarterback. Actually, no, well, way they don't they want to reset at quarterback since yeah, they the, so much. And but the but Murray contract situation is what type of second round pick are you going to get for Kyler Murray? And but the cap hit, I mean, I know they can eat the cap and be okay, but like trading Murray before, like in next year, like they have to wait till the season after next before they can dump Murray without like completely fucking themselves. But I think they might have to eat it for one year. All right. I mean, that's definitely an interesting take. And I think it's I, contrarian for sure. I like it. I, I, I feel better about them. I, but I think my main takeaways, as I mentioned, like I, I, the Rams over feels free to me. Like, I'm just I'm as compelled about that one as any. Same thing with Tampa under. So uh, if I just recap what we did, uh, we called Dallas under, uh, Green Bay under. Don't love Dallas under, but I I will I will concede it. But definitely I love the Dallas under because I have zero faith in Mike McCarthy. That uh, one that one's probably the one that will shoot me in the foot. So we'll make that one a, a smaller bet. I still have to bet it because that's one of those like if if they suck, I will be killing myself. Do you remember in um, this is a really random example? Do you remember the second Harold and Kumar movie where like they've got the idiot guy who's like the head of the NSA and he's trying to find Harold and Kumar, and then they've got like the nerdy white guy who's like actually running the show and actually doing things. That's yeah. Matt McCarthy. That's like Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. Yeah, hundred percent. The other ones, as you said, Tampa Bay under six and a half, Rams over six and a half, and Cardinals over four and a half. That's not terrible. Stay the F away from the NFC South. Stay as far away as humanly possible. Yeah, I, I have just no context for who would even win that division. Todd um, Bowles first head coach fired is kind of interesting. What's don't the see odds it. of that? I don't know. I'd have to look at first head coach fired. 
save it for the props the, the props episode i do there there are definitely some some juicy props that are coming out there um one one of the the notes i had is that uh player props on the under mm. have been hitting at 60 percent, even though vegas keeps lowering their player prop numbers to kind of try and compensate this um so that's definitely something to keep in mind if there's a team that you don't like and a player on said team that you feel might underperform going the under is definitely a way to go because this is going to sound terrible but one injury and you've won the bet that's the that's the danger of the over yeah on player props is one bad slip and you're cooked i i think the player prop market is where you the only place i think you can find an edge and right. I think that's on game day or in futures because Vegas is just so sharp. As as you could tell, looking at these over-under numbers, they're incredibly right. hard to play. They're really hard. We will leave you with that, and we'll leave you on the cliffhanger with the player props. Um, thank you so much for listening. Another solid 90-minute episode in the books. Uh, hopefully the player props won't leave you that long, but thank you again. Make sure you subscribe, and we will talk to you soon, and hopefully we get a season preview on the books because we can commiserate even more about this team winning six or seven games. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.